Well, welcome everybody to episode 34 of the Blah Feld podcast. We're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. Uh, this week, we're going to uh, touch on the um, uh, Dutch Grand Prix race, which is uh, held at Zandvoort, which is pretty exciting. Uh, it hasn't been uh, held there in, in decades. It was a, a very cool historical F1 track, and because of COVID, um, they've had to rework the calendar and use kind of more European tracks instead of doing a lot of the more um, kind of intercontinental travel they usually do. And that's led to some kind of historic tracks coming back into the mix, which has made uh, made for some really interesting racing. Uh, and we'll touch on that race this week, and as well as some kind of breaking F1 news. But I wanted to start off with uh, and get and get uh, Tucker's reaction. Um, you know, we touched on uh, in a previous podcast Mercedes limiting significantly limiting sales of their V8 cars uh to the u.s this coming year which presumably is due to the chip shortage and some other issues but um it's led to some interesting situations with um current 2021 mercedes v8 uh particularly amg vehicles being kind of price gouged so a friend of ours had a a pre-order in for a, a g30 a g63 amg uh, SUV, and <laughs> I was I was with him the other day at work, and he had gotten a call from the dealer that he had the pre-order in, and he had his deposit in, he had built his vehicle how he wanted, etc. And they had called him, and he had missed the call because he'd been busy at work, and he's like, I wonder what this was about, and and I had not really heard from him since. But then the other day at work, I was able to catch up with him and. Basically, what happened was the dealer called him and said, "If you still want this build slot, it's going to cost you an extra forty-five grand." Oh my gosh! <laughs> so they were charging. They wanted to after yeah. they had already agreed to the build. They had taken his deposit. They because of this, you know, these issues. These cars now are much more valuable uh, than they normally are, and so the dealer wanted to charge him basically an additional forty-five grand for the build slot. <laughs> and he and I'm proud of him for doing this. He literally told them to go f themselves, and yeah. canceled his order and said, "I'm you know no longer." Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to be price gouged like this. And so now he's on the hunt for another build slot uh, for his car, which is really unfortunate. He had built out an absolutely beautiful G wagon, but uh, yeah, Tucker. So that that was what happened. Brutal, man. You know, that's like those dumb Kia dealerships. You know, instead of building a relationship with people who obviously are willing to spend some money on a car. You know, mm-hmm. that potentially will come back to you in the future. You go for the, you know, short gain. And I get it because, mm-hmm. you know, there's times where where we're in and we have an opportunity, you know, bend over dealerships kind of like mm-hmm. when they're, you know, over uh, have too much inventory and they've got great, you know, it's like when we bought our wagon, this thing was sitting there for, you know, it seemed like a year and a half. They were mm-hmm. desperate to move it, and so we put it to them. <laughs> we got a really yeah. good deal on it. Yeah, and I guess it goes the other way. But if you know, if we're the kind of people who can sit on the couch 
and do absolutely nothing for a day. And at the end of that day, somehow make another 40 grand. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, who cares? But like, we have to like show up, use our brains, deal with all this BS, all this crap. And, um, you have to make your money. <laughs> yeah. So it's very taxing and there's like yeah. a, you know, barrier to entry to even want to do that on a, you know, given day. And so when they're, you know, and it's, so that's money that actually is, is earned. It's kind right. of painful to earn it at times too. And so that amount is just like, forget it. You know? Yeah. Um, no, I know. If I, I just had F you money, well, then who cares? I who cares? Whatever. I'll buy it. And that's probably who the dealership is is looking for, but yeah, I think I mean I think I think it's just a, extremely short sighted. I, I just you know we don't live in a big city. You know this the the number of people that can afford to spend you know two hundred plus thousand dollars on a luxury SUV in our town is not massive, and you know these people. You know, this was somebody that was willing to spend as a good job. He was willing to spend a lot of money on this truck. And the Mercedes dealer could have, if they would have rolled out the red carpet for him, taken good care of him. He, he's the kind of person that, you know, if they would have taken care of him, his next, you know, five cars for he and his wife would probably have been Mercedes yeah. from that dealership. You know, they could have gotten an additional who knows how many hundreds of thousands of dollars out of him throughout the remainder of his, you know, time here in town. Working career, yeah. And and to lose, not only lose that, but to lose that sale and lose the goodwill such that he's going to basically tell everyone he works with, hey, don't don't use that dealership. They screwed me over. Like. For for an extra forty five grand, you know, like yeah. on one car, it just it was to me just seemed. And it's not like sure they might get someone else that will pay that money for that build slot, but man, how freaking dumb! That's like, what I mean, though. It's so short sighted, like you said. That's what I mean. It's like okay, your the taste in your mouth when you leave from that is like this. These are some shady mofo's working yeah. in this place, and right. That's what I'd tell them. Like, I can't even trust you guys to keep the price the same on this car that I already put a deposit on and we had an agreement mm-hmm. on. You're going to screw me over on maintenance. You're going to, you know, like, that's yeah. the kind of thing, you know, you take some time and you write a well thought out review online and butcher mm-hmm. these guys. Just yeah. so at least the next people know. And you put what an asterisk on their you know, online profile. profile. And that's like yeah. the only impact you can have. Cause if I was a guy reading that in follow up mm-hmm. and saw that, and it's, you know, a well-written, well-explained story of how these guys are shady. I'd yeah. Be like I'm not calling these guys. Like, well, yeah, I think most people yeah. that have to work hard for their money, if they're looking to spend, you know, six figures on a car, they're being extremely meticulous about whoever they're doing business with. And particularly when it's a car that it's not exceedingly rare. You know, like I was saying last week, I saw, you know, probably 20, 25 of them in LA the week we were there. They're not super rare. You can go shop elsewhere. And and so to tank, you know, to tank their reputation for something like that just makes so little sense to me. But 
That being said, you know, one of our other colleagues who has a Mercedes um, that gets it serviced at this dealership, he said that he had liked the dealership quite a bit, but then it changed owners. And he said since that time, it's been a much different dealership. So I think it's just being run in a different way that's not maybe good for short-term gain, but uh, maybe in the long run, it's not going to be beneficial to him. And it's one of those things, like when I was hunting for my Tycon build slot, because our local dealerships didn't have any turbos at the time, Mm -hmm. I was kind of calling nationally and, you know, I'd get beat up on phone calls and then I'd give them what I thought of them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) it was annoying. It was irritating, but, you know, they were curt with me and I was curt with them. And Mm -hmm. that's like, it was just like, this is what I'm looking for. But the thing is, it's uh, I get some sick satisfaction out of that. Like I like finding the deal that I know should exist. And well, you know, like possible with some effort, you know, it may be feasible to find that. I, I think that it's a lot harder, you know, market with uh, all the chip shortages and stuff. So well, that's the problem. Tough. I mean, I mean, it really... these are these are trucks that normally sell for like two ten, two twenty, like well off. And they were right, and, and they were already in demand before. And they're yeah, they're already in demand. And now I've seen some listed uh, for close to three hundred thousand. Ever since that Mercedes, ever since that announcement was made about the V8s, you know, not not being available next year, it's like prices skyrocketed, and that's been the response now from some of these dealers. So it's really unfortunate, but I I did want to give a follow up because it just shows you yeah, one the kind of BS games that car dealers will play, but also the knock on effects from some of these stories, you know. Oh man, that's really, it's kind of like heartbreaking because it is. I know it's he like was a, such, so freaking excited. So excited like, that was dream, dream yeah. car that he had worked. I mean, the guy, we, I mean, you know him, like he busts his yeah. butt. Um, he yeah. works so hard, and, and like that was his like gift to himself. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it just yeah. sucks. Sucks that he has well, to keep trying to find a spot for it. Hopefully, it'll work out, you know, and uh, something else will you know, come along that'll be maybe as yeah. exciting, maybe a an opportunity will pop up, you know, just gotta continue the hunt. But um, yeah. Kind of comes back to, you know, like when you and I pulled the trigger on both of ours, it was a little bit of a crazy time to be doing that and for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and it was a little bit madness and my wife told me as much. But <laughs> I just thought, you know, this is as good as it's ever probably gonna get. Yeah. Well, and, and it's in turned out to of, be the case. Yeah. I mean, we could both turn around and sell our cars right now and make money on the deal. Yeah. You know, and, and really like at the end of the day, not even looking to do that, kind of thinking mm-hmm. about our friend. I'm, I'm actually, you know, just happy to have the damn car. Yeah, I know. Good, you know, it, and, and this just makes me think about that even more. So yeah. If you're I, bad for him, man. No, I know. It's it's a real bummer. I, I, yeah, I will. I, I told him, I said, it's just, as I was like, man, I'm so sorry. I was like, it's literally the probably the worst time in our lives to be buying a car. I can't yeah. think of a, just the, you know, we've been over this before on the podcast, but just the confluence of events that have led to this, you know, it's just a freaking brutal time to be buying a car. I, I don't envy anyone, especially our buddies, so. 
Yeah, um, hopefully but, this all kind of flushes out. You know. Yeah, I'm sure it'll it'll work out. It's just you know, it's just a bummer. Um, yeah. but uh, we did want to get to the F1 race. Um, Can I just say Zandvoort? something first? Yeah, please. Zandvoort. Yeah. Zandvoort. That is a sweet, sweet name. Yeah, I'm sure it translates to something like idyllic beach on the ocean, but it literally sounds like an imperial base in Star Wars or something. (laughs) I know. F the shit up of the road. Where are you going? (laughs) To Zandvoort. (laughs) I really, really like that name. (laughs) So it's it's a really interesting track. It's it's out near the coast in this kind of sand dune area, Um, and it. It's a real. It's a like I said. It's a very historical track. Um, very kind of drivers really seem to enjoy it, and historically, it's really favored very good drivers over just good cars because you know the people that have won there are the creme de la creme. I mean, the the driver with the most wins there is Jim Clark, who's a, a, an absolute legend in Formula One. Um, but uh, it's it hasn't been used in in decades and uh like i said because of covid they're trying to do pretty much all the races in europe this year more or less all the ones outside of europe have been canceled so far um you know the us grand prix i have not heard be officially canceled yet but it's coming up uh so if it's going to be canceled i assume we'll get the news soon but yeah i mean basically we worked our way through all the authoritarian states last year yeah yeah, Even some of them are canceling. <laughs> it really must be bad. Yeah, so it's it's uh, you know, but it very cool historical track, kind of a unique layout. There's a lot of undulations. Uh, yeah, there's really, really steep bank, bank turns. turns. Yeah, really cool. Um, but because it's an old school track, it's not like a modern F1 track that has these huge runoff areas. Like if you go off, you're either going into a wall or into a gravel pit. So there are repercussions if you get it wrong on a turn, and and uh, so that makes it quite interesting as well. And uh, in qualifying, uh, Max Verstappen in his home Grand Prix, he is uh, you know uh, Dutch. He qualified first with Lewis Hamilton and and Valtteri Bottas second and third for Mercedes. Pierre Gasly had a really wonderful qualifying session, finished in fourth. Um, a couple surprising results, Antonio, Antonio Giovinazzi and Alfa Romeo got seventh. And then uh, Sergio Perez in the Red Bull never really, that I don't think, got a clean it lap. Up. Yeah, he yeah. he didn't make it out of P1, so he was 16th. So kind of an interesting mix. Uh, and then actually Robert Kubica, a uh, former Formula One driver who does still races in, I think, like Le Mans cars and, and whatnot, he actually stepped in for Kimi Raikkonen at um, Alfa Romeo this weekend because Kimi tested positive for COVID, uh, so he couldn't race, and and actually did you know pretty reasonably well for a guy who hadn't raced an F1 car <laughs> in a few years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so credit to him. But um, the interesting thing about Zandvoort is, even though it's an interesting track, it is a bit like monaco and that um it's tough to pass so it is yeah it was that became clear yeah it became clear pretty early on and it was more or less a, a pretty processional race um with the top four basically being unchanged from qualifying so max verstappen won in his home race uh followed by lewis and valtteri and then pierre gasly uh got fourth for alfatari which is a great result but the the impressive drive and he was the driver of the day for it was sergio perez going from who did some you know, passing 
He did. Who actually passing. did some passing? <laughs> uh, he went from you know he went from sixteenth uh, uh, to eighth, so finishing the points for Red Bull. Uh, and but it was interesting <laughs> early on in the race. You saw how tough it was to pass because Perez he had to start from yeah. the pit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it took him multiple laps to pass Nikita Mazepin in the Haas, which yeah. normally on probably any other track outside of Monaco, he would be by him in in one lap. You know, it made for some very pretty scenes because uh, the track is very unique, but ultimately was not uh, not particularly. I didn't find the race super interesting. I don't know how you felt about it, but well, you know, it was kind of interesting from the standpoint of tire strategy. You know, yeah, that's true. That Two stop versus next. one stop. So that that kept me actually really intrigued watching that kind of unfold live. You know, when um, Lewis came in, mm-hmm. and I think they put on mediums because I remember seeing. I don't know if it was in qualifying or something, but. As soon as they put on the mediums on the Mercedes, I just thought, wow, it, it really picked up the pace. It did really and, well, um, yeah. And so then I, I thought to myself, oh, man, you know, Max jumping in on the hard seemed at the time like a good idea because he could run this thing out. But mm-hmm. then I thought, boy, I don't know, maybe he can catch him. But well, and historically, you know, Red Bulls had a tough time on the hard compound exactly. tire. Yeah, it was pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, but he got close. He got within like a second and a half at one point, but yeah. And it was always, you know, that second and a half was basically he makes one error, it's done. Yeah, because if he can get in DRS range, then he's, you know, you know, you know, if he goes into the gravel a little bit or something, one Mm -hmm. one false step and it's probably over. And yeah. so, and to be I fair, to Max, kind of, he didn't put a foot wrong. You know, he didn't make right, a mistake. Yeah, those, you know, and then um, kind of just seeing some of the dynamics with like you know Valtteri and don't you know why you know they pit him and put on some mm-hmm. softs. You know, don't mm-hmm. set the fastest lap. Set the fastest lap. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of like just interesting to watch. But I mean, yeah. I I enjoyed it uh, a little bit. Also for kind of the midfield stuff, some of the action that was going on there, I was really interested to watch how, you know, Perez was going to perform. He did seem Mm -hmm. like after he finally did get past um, Mazepin, he kind of figured out the locations on the track. Yeah, where to pass. Yeah, I think I saw him make two or three passes in the chicane. Yeah, exactly. He seemed like he go inside on the exit so that forced mm-hmm. them over but that kind of set him up then to go on the outside or something and pass them so yeah <laughs> he seemed like he kind of figured out a little bit of a bait and switch <laughs> yeah to get around people but i yeah. you know also it was frustrating to see in the beginning and i don't know if he was battling mazepin at the time but he just had this major major lockup that just oh yeah yeah you felt like flat spotted like the right feet. front yeah and that forced mm-hmm. him to pit early so i kind of was thinking yeah. boy you know if he hadn't had to do that maybe he could have finished even higher so I, yeah i felt kind of bad for him but it's interesting because you look at like what pierre did mm-hmm. and how consistently he's actually done and he's yeah. made this argument I should be going back to Red Bull. Like that's probably mm-hmm. where I belong now. But I yeah. remember even Horner saying something like, "He's doing excellent where he's at. We're really happy that he's doing well there." And yeah. I kind of almost think that 
he is doing really well there. Like maybe it's because he's kind of the team leader there just because he's more of a veteran. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure, but I, I feel like if he came back to Red Bull, you might see kind of the same implosion that you saw before. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough to know. I mean, the it funny is. thing is, I think he gets overlooked a lot um, because of where he's at. I, I was listening to a, a podcast earlier that was kind of talking about the race and they were talking about, um, you know, when, you know, the ascendancy of, of George Russell, um, and Lando Norris and these young guys. And and that was who they mentioned. They mentioned Russell Norris, Charles Leclerc, Ferrari. And they're talking about like, because they were talking about whether Max was going to be kind of the undisputed champion for the next, you know, six, seven years, like Lewis has been with Mercedes you know, once Lewis retires, who's going to challenge Max? And and they mentioned all those guys, but they didn't mention Pierre. And it's like, you know, Pierre, I think, has been doing more with less, kind of like George Russell at Williams. Sure. You know, I, I, he's been getting the most out of that car in qualifying and in the race. Um, you know, he's done quite well. And so I think he gets overlooked a lot. But, um, I mean, I think he's a really impressive driver. It's just... It's tough because you're right. I mean, what happened? He's he's kind of in this nice, comfortable spot at AlphaTauri, and what happens when he gets put back in the pressure cooker? Exactly. You know, at Red Bull. That's, I mean, that's an untenable position. Like, oh, you're it, never going to be the number one at Red Bull. Like, you're never going to be the, the guy that they try and, and get the podium. <laughs> you're always going to be asked to follow team orders and let Max through and protect Max yeah. and all that basically and that's a tough situation to be in and i think some people do well in that and they just mm-hmm. kind of like accept their lot and this yeah. is how it's gonna go and i'm okay with that because they're paying right. me a lot of money i love racing and every once in a while you know about every other race i'm on the podium so i'm pretty happy yeah. with that yeah and then there's other people that just can't do it you know and yeah. it's like they have grown up and said you're the best you know you're gonna be the best you're right amazing and and there's this disconnect when they get in that position where you've been told this your whole life but now that you're at this elite level you're not at the Mm -hmm. top yeah i think some people can kind of internalize that and figure it out and they're like you know what i'm okay with that i can work with it and other people just they don't it doesn't happen it doesn't work well well. and they get the uh the what are the yips yeah. 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 I, no, I, I think that I think that segues really, really wonderfully into kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about, which was some breaking news following the race um, that uh, Valtteri Botas will not be with Mercedes next year. He's going to take Kimi Raikkonen's seat at AlphaTauri. Kimi having announced his retirement uh, last week um, at the end of the season, and. Uh, and that was a discussion I heard, you know, regarding Valtteri is, you know, here's a guy who has been in the best car on the grid, along with Lewis, for the last, you know, five years. And he's going to have that realization that he will never be Formula One world champion. You know, his his yeah. chance at that is gone. He might have had a chance at, at Mercedes, you know, if he came out and won three, four races um right out of the gate you know maybe mercedes shifts their strategy toward him and say hey lewis you know let valtteri have this year or whatever um you know but how does a driver deal with that like you said like these guys have grown up having been champions at every single level just about 
And now they're realizing that this dream they've had since they were a kid carting around their local track is just not going to come true, you know? And, and do you, do you sit, sit back and say, Hey, it's all right. I'm, I'm still an F1 driver. I'm getting paid millions of dollars every year to do what I love. Or do you, does it break you? You know, do you lose interest? Yeah. I was like, that's the fundamental question, man. And you, you kind of end up being a supporting character. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, I mean, that's what Valtteri has been. It's very difficult. I, I don't mm-hmm. envy these guys. I mean, they're all in kind of pressure cooker situations trying to, you know, maintain their seat for the next year. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can finish in first place. So you're kind of like 19 people that are screwed <laughs> on yeah. a given weekend. And, right. You know, so like, it seems like a romantic notion. Oh, if F one driver, that'd be great. But it yeah. actually, in in you know, practically speaking, it's got to be hard. One of the I things mean, that I like about where I'm at in my life now is that I've kind of trudged through all the you know drudgery. I'm mm-hmm. at a point now where I'm very. I feel like I'm very good at what I do. I'm very efficient at what I do, mm-hmm. and I, I don't have things questioning like my confidence anymore or my place in life or things like that mm-hmm. you know back when i was playing sports and pitching i get the yips and mm-hmm. trying to sort that out mentally like this was the disconnect here how do i fix this yeah you know right. it's, uh, it's like an intangible thing to fix and i don't yeah. i don't really and miss a, that and a lot of it even if i was making a, mil- a million dollars i don't know that it yeah. would have been worth it at that point you know yeah i mean a lot of that stuff comes down to confidence in in your own abilities and and, and you know that's that's the other kind of interesting facet of this is you know valtteri all these drivers have to go on some level and think I'm the best out here. I could be anyone. To, right? And and they when they don't, they blame it on uh, you know, we don't have a competitive car There's this year. Team orders, yeah. There's I, you know, they they have I know of I'm ex- running the same car, but I think it's different. <laughs> right. They have right, they all have excuses that they can use to justify like I'm still the best. I just didn't win today because of yeah. X Y or Z, but if you're Valtteri, you you had the best car and for 5 years you were shown repeatedly you are not the best. And, yeah, and that's got to be I, really hard on the confidence. Oh, I think it is. But I also feel like you, you get somebody like Lewis, you get somebody like Max, and mm-hmm. they come in, and like I was talking about earlier, they've been told their whole lives, you're the best, you're going to be great. And then they do mm-hmm. it, and it's self-fulfilling. It right. builds their confidence more. They become yeah. stronger. And so they even like they take off, you know, like on a on a mm-hmm. straightaway. They just like start to take off, and they're harder and harder to catch as that confidence right. builds and builds and builds. Right. And so I feel like it's comparing yourself to, um, you know, I don't know. Let's. I'm just making this up, but it's to be like comparing yourself to a Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Those people come along and they exist and they get yeah, into the these generational they, talents. Yeah, they they navigate their way to the top. And whether you're, I don't know, Scotty Pippen, whoever it is, you're trying to judge yourself in relation mm-hmm. to them. I think it's kind of bogus. Yeah. They're super they're superman. Like yeah. you, those people just come once in a while. And I think 
it's a difficult mindset to have. Like I've never had the expectation of myself that, okay, I'm going to be the Michael Jordan. So I haven't mm-hmm. had to deal with that disconnect when I found out I'm not Michael Jordan. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. So to me, I think it seems reasonable to be in a supporting role for those, like a, a character in a play, you know, like you're, you're part of the, you're part of the show. You have a very important role here, but you're not Michael Jordan. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, I think you have to, I think there's plenty of F1 drivers that probably develop that mindset over time when they realize like, you know, Hey, I'm not going to get a seat at a Ferrari or a Red Bull or a Mercedes. Like I'm going to kind of always be at a, at an Alpine or, you know, a, a Haas or something like that, where I'm going to be an F1 driver, but I'm probably never really going to be competitive. That's a good um, point. That's a different mindset, I think, right? Because those guys can go mm-hmm. out and say, you know what the hell with it? I'm just here to enjoy the weekend. You know, right. And, well, if, I mean, and that, if I'm driving a Williams, if we get a point, man, we're going to cool. be drinking so much champagne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> celebrating, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean this isn't a perfect analogy because Kimmy obviously had, had he was a you know he won an F one World Championship when he was with Ferrari, but you know Kimmy now like in the latter stages of his career when he <laughs> knew he wasn't going to get a competitive drive anymore, he was just going out there and enjoying it, you know. Yeah. Um, that's so a really good yeah, point. I think and that's really a tough thing for Valtteri, you know, because he he's been in that place where it's tangible. You could be a world champion. You know, yeah. but even like Nico's when he got it, you know, mm-hmm. it's like it took a number of events for that to happen. It was right. great that it did for him, but it's probably not going to happen again. So afterward, he's like, I'm out. And so right. maybe like Valtteri can go actually just enjoy himself now and relax a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe he'll have some like really great races and stuff because his confidence builds in a different way as opposed to yeah. being a supporting character. I think it all comes down to how he looks at it. Like if he looks at it as like my competitive career is over, I'm only going to be racing with these also rands that instead of competing for, because, because at this point where he's going, he's going to be competing to get in the top 10 to get points. He's not going to be competing for podiums. And if he can accept that and then just enjoy it, I think he can still have like a few years of really, you know, enjoyable racing um, yeah. But it, it would be tough. It would be tough knowing going from a place where you're routinely on the podium, and if you're not, it's kind of a shocker, to being like, well, will I ever get another trophy in my career? You know, like that's, it's going to be a, it's not an easy transition for someone that, you know, to get to that level, you have to be incredibly competitive. Um, yeah. So it's going to be a, a change of mindset for sure. But, you know, the the other interesting part of it is that with him going to Alfa Romeo, the assumption is I haven't seen any official announcement, but I've I've seen things online that say it's imminent. George Russell to Mercedes next year, um, as you know, the next heir apparent to take Lewis's place uh, as the world champion when Lewis decides to relinquish it. Um, yeah. So I I'm excited for George. You know, assuming that happens, and I think George, if Mercedes continues. To be as good as they are into yeah, as a constructor. Yeah. As a constructor with the rule changes that are coming up next year, if they've kind of figured out, you know, figured things out and George has a really competitive car, I think he's gonna give Max 
all the fight he can handle just like Lewis is. I think so too, yeah. It'll be interesting. I do get the sense, though, reading about those two, that they have a decent rapport already. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it might... I mean, the guy's been driving a Williams for how many years? So he's obviously, you know, a team player and can come in. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's going to be a time, maybe next year is that, when it's, for George, it's learning the ropes, it's kind of learning the team <clears throat> dynamics. Yeah. You know, he's happy with, you know, a second or a third place finish, podium finishes, because he wasn't getting them before. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, depending on what Lewis wants to do, one, two, maybe even three years go by, he's going to start getting hungry. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, so I think, you know, Anyways, he's a great driver. Uh, we saw him in a Mercedes uh, last year. And, and he should have impressive. won at Bahrain. Yeah. Exactly. And so I, I'm i going to be very interested to see what his capabilities are race after race. The yeah, guy seems th- really good. Yeah, I, I think he's he's really fast. He's He's been kind of the ultimate guy that does more with less at Williams. And I think that, you know, Lewis just needs to... What I hope happens is Lewis and George go into next season and say, hey, we're going to give Red Bull all the fight they want. We're going to try and win another championship with George, like you said, learning the ropes, learning from Lewis how to be, you know, how to fit that role of a champion and a, and a contender. And then Lewis looks at it as I'm going to prove that I can, I can beat the young hot shots one more time. That's what and they then, do. Yeah. That's what they then, do. <laughs> and, and then, you know, out. do the L way and, and retire on top. If he's you know. smart, if he's smart and he won't do a Brett Favre. Yeah. Cause I think at a certain point, <laughs> at a certain point you have to pass the crown on yeah. and, and the best thing, if he truly values his relationship with Mercedes and what they've done for him over the years, I think the best thing he can do is leave that team in the best possible position to keep winning titles. Yeah. Instead of agree, instead yeah. of kind of creating a any sort of schism within the team uh yeah. and, and you know just a And I know, and I think Tom George just, up make him the best he can be. I feel like those guys can do that. Yeah. I think I so. Lewis has nothing left to prove. I mean, he's got Every exactly. title there is at this point in F1, and most George race seems wins. like a very classy guy, team player. I mean, even yeah. like the other weekend when he said, um, if we can get a point here, you have to sacrifice my race, do it. Yeah, like, when Latifi the guy was in front on of him. The, yeah, he's the guy on the radio saying that. Yeah. You know, so no, I think I, his I think, mindset is going to fit very well with their team dynamics. I think so. <laughs> and I think he's going to go in knowing, hey, Lewis has one or two years left, and then it's my team. And I've got the full might of the Mercedes Patronus team behind me. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to race max and, and we're going to have yeah. some epic battles. So I, I don't, I don't think Lewis, I, I don't think George has, he, he's super competitive obviously, but I don't think he's a max for stopping, no, exactly. you know, just running over everything in his way. Like I think he knows how to be, That's, I think he, he understands uh, yeah. the role. And that's honestly why I'm I'm really excited to see him go go there because um, mostly I root a lot for Max at this point just to have a different flavor and maybe see yeah. a different champion at the end of the year. But yeah, Max. I mean, if I would love to see George crush it and yeah. be a 
Yeah, he's a classy guy, team player, nice guy, you know. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm super excited for him. I really hope he does well there. I think he will. And I think he's going to yeah. be very he's going to be very good. Yeah, I agree. So it'll be exciting to see some of these dominoes fall. Uh, there's already kind of rumors that maybe Alex Albon, if if Red Bull lets him out of his contract, might might replace George at Williams. Um, yeah. It'd be nice to see him back in F1. I think he got a pretty rough yeah. deal at Red Bull. Um, Agreed. So a lot of news to come. Uh, next Formula One race will be at Monza, which obviously an amazing uh, historic track. Uh, high power cars tend to do well there, so... Uh, we'll certainly have some passing and some action. And um, is is that anything anything you want to add, buddy? That's about yeah. all I had this week. All right. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Um, f- be sure to follow us at Bluff Out Podcast on Instagram. Uh, and be sure to uh, rate us and review us on, on iTunes and Podbean. All those things help us uh, get to more listeners and, and kind of grow. Uh, so until uh, next week, we'll see you next time.